Please turn to Luke chapter 9. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 9 verse 28 through to 36. The transfiguration of Jesus. I'll read from verse 28. And it came to pass about an eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance or his face was altered and his raiment, his clothes was white and glistening, glistering. And behold, they talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass, as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias, not knowing what he said. While he thus spake, there came a cloud, and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. And they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen. We'll have a bit of a recap because as you see at the very beginning there it says, And it came to pass about eight days after these sayings. So those sayings that proceed have got some bearing to what we're going to consider this morning. Jesus had recently begun to teach his apostles that he must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain, in other words, be put to death, and be raised the third day, at which point... Peter took him, we don't get this in Luke's Gospel, we get it uh, elsewhere uh, in Matthew's Gospel. Peter, the Apostle Peter, took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Therefore it would seem that Peter, and no doubt the other Apostles, uh, so often was the case that Peter was the spokesman for the rest of them, Peter, no doubt the other apostles, could not get beyond the bit about Jesus suffering and being slain. Something that was totally unacceptable to them. The other bit about Jesus being raised from the dead would seem to have fallen on deaf ears. And that seems to be borne out by the fact that after Jesus was crucified, the response of his disciples was one of disbelief until they heard that he had risen from the dead. And only then, when they saw him with their own eyes, did they believe. In the passage that we should be looking at this morning, 
the Lord Jesus Christ took three of his apostles up a high mountain to pray. Whilst they were there, quite a lot happened. The divine glory of Jesus shone through his flesh and his clothes. Moses and Elijah talked with him. The apostles were overshadowed by a cloud and a voice came out of the cloud and spoke to them. The passage is recorded in Matthew's Gospel and Mark's Gospel as well as here in Luke chapter 9. And also it is alluded to in John chapter 1 and verse 14 where the Apostle John, who was one of the three apostles who were with Jesus on the Holy Mount, he said in John chapter 1 and verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It would seem that John, he was thinking back to when he was on that mountain and he saw the divine glory shining through the Lord Jesus Christ. We beheld his glory, full of grace and truth. And it is alluded to by the Apostle Peter in his second epistle. He was another one who was present on the Holy Mount. In 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 16 and 17, Peter said, We have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honour and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. He's clearly making reference to the mountain there, the voice coming out of the cloud, and also they were eyewitnesses of his majesty and his glory on that mountain. The third apostle who was on the mount and who beheld the divine glory of the Lord Jesus Christ was John's brother James. However, according to Acts chapter 12 and verse 2, James was killed with a sword. And there's no written testimony from him about what he saw on the mount. Even so, at the time of his martyrdom, perhaps, I don't know this to be the case, but perhaps he was reminded of what he had seen on that mountain. And his focus was not on him being killed with a sword, but his focus was on the man who is God, whom he would soon go to be with. And once again, he would behold his heavenly, his, his divine glory when he was slain and he would go to be with Jesus in heaven. What can be said is that the events of our passage, which are recorded in several places in the New Testament, recorded by eyewitnesses, they testify that Jesus, who suffered, who was crucified for sinners and was raised again on the third day for their just justification, is God manifest in the flesh. 
He is the King of glory. That comes across so clearly and so obviously in this passage. There is no getting away from it. We shall consider the transfiguration of Jesus, the appearance of Moses and Elijah, and thirdly, the voice that came out of the cloud. First of all, the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look again at verse 29. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment, his clothes, was white and glistering. The verse starts with those words, and he prayed. People pray to God. Christians pray to God. And as we see, so too does the man, Christ Jesus, pray. We've already seen in chapter 6 that the night before Jesus chose his apostles, he went out into a mountain to pray. He was on that mountain all night long praying to God before choosing his apostles. And if we ever get there in our series in Luke's Gospel, we'll see Jesus the night before he was crucified, kneeling down and doing what? Praying. Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was, as it were, Great drops of blood falling down to the ground. All this when he was on his knees praying to God. The praying, the great drops of blood falling down to the ground and his being strengthened by an angel all drive home the fact that Jesus was and still is a man. That is abundantly clear in other Bible verses We can read of Jesus becoming weary from a journey and sitting down at a well. We can read about the time when he slept on a ship on the Sea of Galilee. And when he was nailed to a cross, he thirsted, he bled and he died. Coming back to Luke chapter 9 verse 29, we also see that the appearance of the face of the man Christ Jesus changed and his clothes become white and glistening or as Matthew's gospel says, his face did shine as the sun and his clothes were white as light. Those words speak of the divine glory of the man Christ Jesus. A glory that even caused his clothes to shine and to become white as light. Therefore, even in this one verse, in verse 29, both the humanity and the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ are presented to us. It reminds me of Colossians chapter 2. And verse 9, where the Apostle Paul says the following about Jesus. 
in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead or of the, of, of, of the deity bodily. Can you imagine that? In Christ Jesus, even when he was a newborn baby, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. When the Lord Jesus Christ was transfigured on the holy mount, it was a partial unveiling of his divine glory. And it was enough for the Apostle John to testify in John chapter 1 verse 14, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Beholding the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ is also the privilege and joy for all who belong to Jesus now, even though they're still in this world. How so? To the unbelieving world, Jesus has no beauty, no majesty that they should desire him. But all of you who are trusting in Jesus as your saviour from sin... Trusting in Jesus who loved you and who gave himself for you when he carried your sins in his body on the cross. You should be able to behold something, at least something of his divine glory as you read his word. What you will see when you do that is Jesus is altogether lovely. Do you see that, dear Christian, that Jesus, you've never seen him face to face, but even so you see that Jesus is lovely and that he is the son of God, that he is God manifest in the flesh. You see all this when you read his word. Even though for now, looking through a glass darkly, you see nothing more than than a, a partial unveiling of his glory be assured that he has prayed to his father that when you die you go to be with him where he is to behold him in all his glory and what a day that will be when your Jesus you shall see and you shall look upon his face the one who saved you by his grace Secondly, the two men that stood with Jesus. Look at verse 30 and 31. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, that's Elijah, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. A very necessary bit of background information here concerning those two who appeared on the Holy Mount. Moses, he died about 1500 years earlier. As for Elijah, although he never died, according to 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 11 in the Old Testament, he was taken up to heaven by a whirlwind. And that was about 900 years earlier. So you've got Moses, who left the world 1,500 years earlier, 
and Elijah, who left the world having never died, 900 years earlier. Even so, they were both there with the Lord Jesus Christ on the Holy Mount, and they were talking to him about his forthcoming death in Jerusalem. We needn't imagine that the subject matter was new to them. They were talking about his decease, his death, that would soon happen. Jesus didn't spring that on them. They would have proclaimed the sacrificial death of Christ in their day, in the Old Testament times, just as his sacrificial death is proclaimed in our day and age. As John Calvin said, though it was now a long time since they had died and finished the course of their calling, yet our Lord intended once more to ratify by their voice what they had taught during their life in order to inform us that the same salvation through the sacrifice of Christ is held out to us in common with the Holy Father's. The same gospel message throughout all ages, Calvin is telling us. The only thing I take issue with there is, as I've already said, Elijah never died. But uh, you get what um, Calvin's saying there. And what I've said to you as well, Moses and Elijah, who had long left this world, were talking to Jesus about his forthcoming death. Something they would have preached on themselves in their day. Ever since sin came into the world by Adam, the way of salvation has been the same throughout all history. Whether in the time of those two Old Testament saints, Moses and Elijah, or in our day and age. It's not something new that has been invented. The gospel has, it's not a, 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 a recent invention. It's always been there. Ever since Adam sinned and brought sin into the world. Salvation by grace through faith in what was in the Old Testament times, the Messiah who would, uh, God would send into the world. But now we look back 2,000 years to when the Christ did come into the world and he laid down his life for sinners. The law was given through Moses. As for Elijah, he was a prophet. Well, actually, Moses was a prophet as well. But you think of the law as coming through Moses and Elijah, the prophet, both men pointed people to Jesus, who came not to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfil them. In the past, God spoke at various times, in various ways, through the prophets, including Elijah, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, by whom he has made all things. Also, your own failed attempts to do that which is pleasing to God and to keep his holy laws. And I'm talking about the Ten Commandments. Those laws, they were written on tables of stone with the finger of God and given by God to Moses. And that's where we get this um, th- this idea that Moses is the lawgiver. 
God gave Moses the law which he had written on tables of stone for the children of Israel beyond them for all of us God's holy commandments and of course you and I we've all done a wonderful job of keeping those commandments haven't we those commandments which essentially tell us to love God with our whole being anyone in here who loves God with your whole being every single part of you love God because if you say that you've committed a sin you've lied there's no one in this world who loves God with their whole being nobody just think about it how much time you devote to God or, or, or given the choice I know we all have to do various things in this world we have to work we have to do things but given the choice, how much time you devote to God compared to how much time you devote to whatever else you like to do? I know which will win. And the commandments also tell us to love our neighbour as ourselves. Again, no one has failed to, no one has succeeded rather. Uh, to keep the, that law. God's laws are all about love. And the only one who has managed to keep those laws and to do so perfectly and sinlessly is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is that Jesus made himself of no reputation. He came into the world as a servant, a suffering servant, and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, having kept God's laws perfectly throughout his life. And that perfect obedience is credited to the account of all who believe in him. The only way you or I can stand before God as if you have never sinned is in washed in the blood of Jesus, purified in his blood and clothed with his garments of salvation, adorned with his robe of righteousness. There is no other way. So, again, before we move on, Elijah, Moses and Elijah appeared on the holy mountain. Moses, he represented the law. Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly. And as for the, Elijah the prophet, all of the prophecies, they point to Jesus. They speak of him. And he has fulfilled the, the things that the likes of Elijah spoke about. This takes me on to our final consideration. The voice that came out of the cloud. Look at verse 34 and 35. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowing overshadowed them and they feared as they entered into the cloud.
coming before what we read in these verses, the voice in the cloud coming from the cloud, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, three tents, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias, not knowing what he said. You can see that for yourself there in the passage. Quite frankly, it was absurd for Peter to propose to make a tent for Jesus, whose divine glory was shining forth from him, and to propose to make tents for Moses and Elijah, whose habitation had long since been with the angels in heaven. They really didn't need three tents. Also, had Peter known what he was talking about, he would not have elevated Moses and Elijah to an equal level of importance as the Lord Jesus Christ by assigning tents to all three of them. As we know, as we see in the, in the passage there, he knew not what he said. The words that God spoke from the cloud This is my beloved son. Hear him. Served to correct what Peter had just said. And they also served to bring together what we've been considering this morning. And to bring this passage to the right conclusion. The man Christ Jesus whose face changed and shone like the sun. Is God's beloved son. He is the eternal son of God. The wages of sin, that is the transgression of God's law, the failure to love God with your whole being, your failure to love your neighbour as yourself, is punishable with death. But the gift of God is everlasting life through faith in his beloved son, who was spoken of by the prophets and who became flesh and who was perfectly obedient to the law in life and in death. The sparks of light that shone in the Old Testament, they all pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the brightness of his gospel. Jesus is the son of righteousness and his arrival brought into the sin-darkened world the full light of day. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Even so, Jesus has said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Therefore, repent, believe the gospel, and the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and Give thee peace. Amen.